Well, the Lord's good, isn't he? Amen. Lord, thank you so much. You're just good. You know, the Bible really does tell us three things about the Lord that's consistent about the Lord. Number one, he's good, right? Number two, he's faithful, right? What's the third thing? Anybody? He's powerful, yeah. Mercy, yeah. Graceful. There's a lot the Bible actually says about the Lord. He's good, he's faithful, he loves us. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so I was wanting to give you this finish. I've been trying to do this message. I've done two parts to it, okay? If you remember, and if you don't remember, it's okay, okay? I did a message on destiny, okay, about having a sense of destiny in your life and that, what that feels like. I was trying to really get you to feel destiny because I feel it really strong in my life right now, and I can't believe that you're not feeling it because if you're not feeling it, I want you to help you feel it. Because this is, you know, destiny is a very powerful thing. And it's something that God's doing. Because I, I haven't always felt it like I've, I've felt it in recent times. Uh, and then I did another message on DNA last time. Spiritual DNA. On how your DNA is really the thing, is the possession that God has entrusted into your life and given you. And how destiny and DNA are connected together. That you have to really walk in your destiny. You have to walk out this DNA that God's put in you. And so this is sort of the third part to this, and it's about what I feel like, what I keep seeing in this church for everybody is God wants to bring everybody up a level or two or three or four. That's what I keep seeing. I keep seeing, uh, the, well, at first it was like he's trying to flatten us, flatten us in a good sense. In other words, God's not really interested in pyramids. You know what I'm saying? You know, most businesses have pyramids in them. There's this big pyramid, and there's some person up at the top, and then you go down, and the pyramid grows. Well, I don't see that as being the way God wants to work. Okay, God's at the top, right? And he appoints people and stuff, but I really what I see is God trying to bring everybody up. That's what his heart is. He wants to bring everybody up to another level, and this can apply in your life however you want it to apply. It can apply in your spiritual life. It can apply in your, your like business life. It can apply in your health. I think some people this year that God is going to bring you up a level in your health. And that's sort of kind of a good thing, right, you know, if you're unhealthy or have been unhealthy, that you would like to have some to start walking in more health. You know, we were taught early on, you know, healing wasn't, when we first started hearing about it, it was divine health. That's God's highest, not healing. Well, we figured out we've got to go through the healing. We've got to walk through the shallow waters to get to the deep waters. But I do believe there's a time coming where God's going to start releasing divine health. And what we've even heard about, we've uh, heard, you know, some testimonies of God multiplying bandages and stuff, medical supplies for people who were in Haiti. They didn't have what they needed, and they had more when they finished. And then people had more, you know, money to buy goods, buy food, and they had more money. This was coming from some Baptist people. I'm telling you, God will use anybody. God, it doesn't matter to God. what If you know Christ, that's all He cares about. You know, that's the bottom line for God is the blood. Anyways, there's, Jason was telling me about there's some miracles going on. There. There's one boy, they, he was dead. The, he's dead. Put him in a box. You know, get him ready to go, you know, do what they do with dead people. Half an hour later, this kid's banging on the box, wanting out. He was, he was raised from the dead. God just did it sovereignly. And, he, and people were receiving healings. And so we believe the people who are going down there are going to be a part not only of, of taking care on a natural sense, you know, helping people, but also doing miracles. Amen? Yeah, Maya's going tomorrow. Maya, you've got to go do miracles. 
It's not hard. God does them, you know. So, um, anyways, what were we talking about? I forgot. Anyways, we're in a time, I believe, we are in a time of change and transition in the world. And I believe we're in a time of change and transition in the spiritual world also. And what I see is God is not, this is not a new beginning thing. Okay, it's not, it, you, you, if you personally are in a place in your life where you need a new beginning, then that's, that's where God's got you. But I believe overall, God is looking, God has got more of a mindset of, you, let's say the word launch. Launch. That's a better word. You know, uh, uh, in, launch is something that happens to boats, ships. Ships get launched. Okay, uh, fighter planes on aircraft carriers get launched, believe it or not. Have y'all seen that? They launch those things. They, those things get, that's crazy. I love those things, though. I could sit there for hours and watch those things take off, you know, watching these videos and YouTube, fighter jets. I love all that. But they're launched, okay? The space shuttle was launched. See, that's a different thing. A launch means there's been a preparation that happened beforehand. Okay? In other words, nobody is going to... You know, when, when, the, when the Navy or any kind of uh, company builds a ship, a large ship, they t- it's tested. There's sea trials that these things go through to prove that they're, they're worthy, they're shipworthy, they're, they're worthy to be able to, to do what they are designed to do. Nobody takes a brand new fighter jet and drops it onto a carrier and takes off with it. They just don't, they don't do that. It's tested, it's made of, it's, there's things that have been done to it to make sure it's ready to be able to stand the rigors of what it's going to do. And so what has happened in the body of Christ, especially in the last year or so, there has been a lot of, of testing and preparation that have gone on in people's lives. People have gone through, and it's been, and, and a lot of it has been very extremely difficult testing. But it's been for something. It's not been in vain. And see, that's the thing we have to get. We cannot let our test, we cannot let the thing that we've gone through, we cannot allow it to be in vain. Because we can make it in vain if we're not careful. But really, it was preparing us for something. It was getting us ready for something. And so we're going to see people launched. Like we've launched the, the uh, child... Kids' corner, child's corner. We've launched, that's a launch. It's, it's begun. It's not like a new beginning. It's a launch of something. We're going to launch this thing. But you as an individual, I see that God is going to launch a lot of people. Are we, are we on the same page? What is happening, if you will pay attention, we have lost some spiritual fathers in the body of Christ. Last year, uh, recently, uh, Earl Roberts passed away. Okay, Earl Roberts was a spiritual father in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what denomination, he was a father. Billy Graham is a very old man now. Okay, he don't, probably don't have ten more years. I mean, unless God just did a miracle. But his time on this earth is coming to an end. Kenneth Hagin Sr. Uh, died last year. Was it last year? When, when, I think he died last year. Senior. He was a father. He was a father in the faith. These are, and, we, and there's many other fathers. Uh, Arthur Burr, who's been a father to us. Many of us, and really has become a father in this church, whether you know he has or not. He, he's in his 90s now. You know, last time he was here, he was walking like this, a little old man. and You know, but he's a father, and his time is coming in. So, but God always has a plan when, when, when these fathers and mothers in the faith, when they move on into, into, heavenly, into their heavenly reward, God is replacing them. He has people ready to step into those spots. We may not see, they may not have the same kind of uh, 
you know, prominence and all that, and we may not even notice it at first, but they have, they're, in the spiritual plane, they are stepping in. And there's many fathers and mothers in the earth that, that don't have prominence, but they're, nevertheless, they're true fathers and mothers, and they're, they're moving on with the Lord. They're moving on. But God is raising people up, people that He's prepared. And when, when a father, if a father passes and a father above us steps into that father's spot, guess what? We are going to be lifted up also. You see what I'm saying? God wants to bring us all up a level. Some are being promoted into heaven. Okay? Some of us are going to be promoted on this earth into, into the purposes and plans of God. I wanted to read this um, Psalms 105. Are you good? Psalms 105. I wanted, this is Joseph. This is, a, this is a picture of a man who was protested and prepared by God. And when his time came, when, when the time came, he stepped into this place with the Lord. It says, it says he sent, this is the Lord, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Man, this has got some power on it. Sometimes I've read this, sometimes you read this and it just pierces your heart. You know, it, just, it makes you want to weep. When you, when you feel this, what he, you get this sense, this feeling of what had went on in his life. It says they afflicted his, his feet with fetters you know, with irons, and he himself, well, I guess handcuffs on the legs, fetters, I'm not. Anyways, he himself was laid in irons. That's powerful, isn't it? That's the man sent by God before all of Israel. Very powerful. Until, let's, everybody say until. See, the time that his word came to pass, okay, there's a time when the word of God over your life, the promises of God, your destiny, there's a moment in time when it comes to pass. But there's a testing in all of our lives, okay? There's a testing. It says the Word of the Lord tested him. The Word of the Lord tested him. So he went through this time. But when it was time, guess what happened? The king sent and released him. In other words, that morning Joseph woke up a prisoner. That night he went to bed in the king's palace. That, that morning he was, he was eating a, a bread and, you know, water and stale bread. That night he was eating the king's, at the king's table for supper. That's what God is talking about doing. He's talking about lifting people up. Every one of you, you can, we need to lay hold of this. We need to grab hold of this because to, what God's saying to me is this is available, but you do have to lay hold of it. I'll read that scripture in just a second. I want to finish this one. I'm getting ahead of myself. It says, the, the king released him, the rulers of the, peop, of the peoples, that's the king, and set him free. There's a liberation. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. You see, God is looking for people to manage his home, to take care of his house, the father's house on this earth. But like any vessel, Joseph had to be tested. Joseph had to be proven airworthy, seaworthy, and, but he was and the time came where God said He's ready now that launch, the launch has come. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. Some of you have been through hellish trials. I'm talking, I mean, it was hell for you, literally. And there were moments when you didn't think you were going to make it. And there were moments when you wanted to despair. You can't, but you got through them. God has gotten you through there. He's gotten you this day. We can't let... Those things eliminate us because those things are unto something. Don't let there be waste in your life. Don't, yeah, don't let it be waste because God wants to, the time come where He's saying, the day has come, I'm calling you up. All that you went through is not in vain. It, the, the loss that you experienced, you can't, it won't be in vain. The Lord promises us that. He will turn it all good, but He's going to even make it better in your life. He's going to make things better. You will be 
And Joseph, when he, he had the wisdom of God planted into his heart, okay, through all this, wisdom got imparted to him in his heart, and, and he was able to speak out wisdom, and, and he was made the ruler, he was made the manager of all of Egypt and all that they had because of the wisdom of God that he gained through all the things that, that he was, his, his, was going through, but he had to go through it to see his destiny fulfilled. And his destiny was fulfilled. So, let me just read Philippians three twelve through 14. Everybody knows this. Sometimes we know the Bible verses too well, right? And we read them with, a, with almost like this non-thing, like we're just reading the same thing. It means the same thing I read the last time. Let me encourage you, don't read the Bible like that. Because the Bible don't mean the same thing it meant last time. There's deeper, there's greater revelation, there's a deeper understanding that God wants to give us. And we need to read the Bible with a fresh eyes every day that God may say something fresh to you that you've never seen before, even in, in very uh, you know, normal verse. Like this, is a, this is sort of a, like a well-worn verse. Uh, Paul said, Not that I have already attained it or all, have already become perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That's the laying hold. The Lord has laid hold of something for our lives. He has presented something to every person in this room. He has something for you. But he's also saying like what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I've got to, I've got to reach out for it. I've got to reach for this thing. Even though it's available, I still have to reach for it. Even though it's there, I still... Joseph could have said that day when they came to get him out of prison. Yeah, I want out, but I don't want anything to do with Pharaoh. Hey, and I'm not going to do any more dream stuff. Because I'm so disappointed and discouraged about how my dream stuff went last time. I told my brothers, and look what it, they wanted to kill me over it. See, he could have gotten this bad attitude. And I told these two idiots about my dreams two years ago, and, and it came true, and look what happened. I spent two more years, and I'm never going to interpret a dream again. He could have come out like that, but he didn't. He did not. He came out and said, God knows dreams. I can tell you what they are. mean now. And, and see, a lot of Christians quit in their life because the brothers rejected them. They kicked them in a ditch. They sold them off. You know, the guy forgot about me. You know, I helped them. And what did they do? They stuck, stuck me the first chance they got. But the day came. See, his heart wasn't that. And see, we have to guard our hearts or we'll lose the precious things that God's given us. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to work through the feelings. Trust me, you will. But Paul had that heart in him. He never quit. He never gave up on what God had said to him, what God had placed in his heart. Are you understanding this? He said, brethren, I don't regard myself as, as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I forget. See, he forgot. Joseph forgot. He forgot the disappointment. He forgot the failure. He forgot what people did to him. He forgot what people said to him. He forgot it and said, I'm going to lay hold of this thing. I'm not going to let yesterday keep me from entering into my tomorrow with God. And I'm telling you, that's, that'll, it'll keep you. It'll hold you back. It'll ruin you from having this thing if you let it. It's designed to do that. If you know this little interesting thing about Paul, Paul had these understandings about yesterday. He speaks often about yesterday, or he leaves yesterday out in certain places, like where he says, there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Future, today, demons, angels, they can't. But he left out this one little word, yesterday. 
Because yesterday can keep you from the love of God. It's not that the love's not there, but it'll keep you out of the love. Now, I'm just telling you the truth this morning. God is calling people up, but our yesterdays can keep us from going up. Our failures can keep us from going up. Our disappointments can keep us from going up. What didn't work in our life yesterday could keep us from going up. You had to make a choice in your heart. You had to make a decision in your heart. And this is how Paul lived his life. Actually, Paul used that illustration many times in different ways. He said, I forgot it, and I'm reaching out for this thing, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call. God has an upward call. It's a heavenly call. It's another. So that's really where we're at. But God is saying, it's here. It's time for people to reach for this thing. If you'll reach, it's there. If you'll reach in faith, it's there. If you will believe in faith, it's there. And again, I'm saying it could be our health. It could be a simple thing like that for you today, that you have had bad health in your life. And the Lord is saying, reach for health. I have health for you. I pray you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's a prayer out of the Bible. That's a word out of the Bible. There's many things. It could be your spiritual life. It could be your calling. It could be your destiny. He said, it's time for you to be launched out in something more than you've ever experienced in your life. If, 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 if you will see this, if you will hear this, if you won't let all those things that are meant to keep you from coming. Are you good? Well, I believe that's what this year is for, for us. 2010 is the time for us to be launched in these things, to reach out and grab these things. And we're going to see people get launched. We're going to see a launching of people. We're going to see things happen in people's lives. Woo, amen, Jesus. I spent too much time on that. But that's good, isn't it? But I do want to tell you just a couple practical things, too. But that's practical, honestly. It's all practical to me. But here's something that the Lord's been sharing this with me, and He's been saying these are things you need to do in this time. In this time of transition, in this time of change, in this time of coming, in, there's certain things you've got to do in your life. And let me just go ahead and tell you the first one He told me. It is a renewed devotion to the Lord Himself. Now, this is simple. But I'm telling you, this is very important right here. When I read this scripture to you, Second Corinthians, I'm, now I'm talking about just what we do with our lives. Okay? Now, today, in this moment, and tomorrow, and next day. And this, these are like atmospheres. These are the culture of the church that we want in this church. I'm telling you, this is, this is one of the things I really want. It says, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Becky knows about that. Bearing with me in a little foolishness. But de- indeed, you're bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betroth you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. That was the heart of Paul. Now, this is, this is strong. Even I don't care how much you know this. I know all that. Loving Jesus. Let's don't know it. Let's know more. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, you're what? Everybody say that word, your minds. You see, there's something after your mind. And it's called the serpent. It's called the devil. That he is, wants to deceive people. He's a tricky liar. And don't think for one minute he can't trick you and lie to you. But it all starts up here. It all starts with what you're thinking. What are you thinking? Take inventory. See, this is one thing you should do. This will help you. I do this often now. I have revelation on the mind. Is I take inventory of my thoughts. At the end of the day, I take inventory. What, have I, what has occupied my mind today? What's going on up here? What are the thoughts that are prevalent here? 
It's a sad day sometimes when you realize you thought about some stuff you really didn't need to think about. I'm not talking about just sinful things. I'm talking about worrisome things. I'm talking about things that really were not worth my thoughts. As we begin to take inventory of our thoughts, because, see, that's where it all starts. It starts with what you're thinking. If you're thinking wrong, your life is going to be wrong. And ultimately, the enemy, really, he don't give a rip about that. What he wants is he wants to get you to thinking in the wrong way where you lose your love for Christ. He wants you to think about so many other things that there's no place in your life to love Him and be devoted to Christ. He says, about your minds will be, be what? Led astray. Your mind. If your mind's led astray, guess where you're going? From the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, that's simple. And everybody knows we should do that. But I've just told you why we don't do it. Because, our, because the devil leads our minds away. And we have to ask ourselves that question about, am, where, where is my devotion level to the person of Christ? Am I passionate about Christ? Do I love Christ? And, and is that being demonstrated in my life? Um, now, I want to apply this in a particular way. One of the things that, that, for me, that I have been blessed with in my Christian life is that God planted me in churches right from the very beginning where there were people in that church that were passion for, had passion for Christ. And, the, and this is what those people did to me. Those people provoked me. They would not allow me to stay the way I came in the door. Whether they ever said a word to me personally about it, just being around them irritated me. Being around them provoked me. I saw those people and I saw things in them that I knew I didn't have in me. Are you following what I'm saying? And you see, that's really, I'm just telling you, that's what I want for this church. I want this church to provoke the fire out of people. I want people to be, I don't, we were talking about this. I'm not looking to have a comfortable church, honestly, for you to come in here and be comfortable. Okay, that, somebody else may have that vision, God could speak that to somebody, but that's not what he's told me to do. And the reason he hadn't, because I have never been in a comfortable church before. In my entire Christian life, they have always been uncomfortable to me. Because there's always been something going after me and telling me, you know, they've got something you don't have, but you can have it. See, the problem, a lot of people, they'll hear the, they'll hear the first part. They've got more than you in terms of passion and love for Christ. And then we just stop. Oh, I'm just no good. <laughs> I'm just messed up. Well, there the devil's done got you halfway in the door and slammed the door on your fingers. But when you realize that, oh, they got it, but I can have it. I'm going to tell you something. The people, Becky and I have talked about this many times about discipleship. We want people to be discipled. I ain't never been pastor, discipled by no pastor. I'm telling you I haven't. I've never sat under a pastor who really, well, it was the people in the church that I had relationships. They pastored me. They provoked me. They went after my heart. And being around them caused me to want to step up to something. Being around them caused me to want to reach forward to that thing that Paul was talking about. Because they, had, they were reaching, and I'm thinking, they're reaching. I'm seeing something in them I want. I'm going to reach with them. And that's what we need in the body of Christ desperately. We need people who are reaching. You know, the old, one of the old revivals said this. His job, this is great. I love this. And this guy did it. He said, my job is not to... Uh, to comfort people, my job. Let me just say, my job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. 
Like that, afflict the comfortable. In other words, if we are smug and comfortable in ourselves, we need some affliction to come in our eye. We need God to go after us and say, you can't live your life like that because that's not your destiny. That's not your purpose. That's not who my son is in you. You got that? We've got to live true to the son. We've got to live true to him. He was the most passionate person. That's the DNA of heaven. Are you all seeing this? I want to read this scripture because this was a teaching that I got back yonder when I was getting provoked and I was getting irritated. I don't remember who gave the teaching, but it was a brilliant teaching. It's one of those that you kind of keep in the back of your mind for 30 years. It's from 1 Samuel. Y'all remember Samuel, the book of Samuel? This is how it started. There was a man who had two wives, right? Men don't get two wives. Because I can't imagine having two wives. One about did me in. The other one would finish me. You'd be just running scared. I mean, I'm thinking I'm running scared half the time as it is now. One, if I had two, I'd always be scared. You know? That spouse is a provoking person and quite irritating at times. You know? But it's always been for the good. Well, this guy had two wives. One of them, her name was Paniah. And Paniah was a very fruitful woman in terms of having babies. She was having lots of babies. You know, she was one of them women who could get a glass of water and be ready to have a baby. You know, that was one of those kind. But then there was this other girl named Hannah. That was the mother of Sam. But Hannah was bare. She couldn't have a baby. And I'm going to tell you something. Let's see, a lot of Christians don't know this. We, we, there's a time when we feel bare in our spiritual life. We feel like there's nothing of fruitfulness in our life. And God sends this fruitful person around you. That's what I was describing. This fruitful person. They're fruitful and you have nothing. You know what I'm talking about. Okay? It can be difficult. And it says in 1 Samuel, I'm going to just read in 6 and 7. This is what I was going to Every year they would go up to, up to, the, to the temple to, to pay their sacrifices to God to honor the Lord. And one day she was, I was thinking about this. Old, she, Eli was the priest in those days, and Hannah was in there just weeping and carrying on before God, just getting out of control. And he said, why are you drunk here? He thought she was drunk. I can imagine Eli today, he'd go insane in the church. Y'all are a bunch of drunks! <laughs> We're not drunk, like you suppose. Well, she wasn't drunk. She was crying out to the Lord. Her lips were quivering. She was crying out to the Lord. There was this thing in her that says, I can't. I can't be bare in my life. I can't be bare. There's got to be that thing in us that says, I can't be bare spiritually. I'm telling you, that's a gift from heaven if you got that. And if you don't have it, there's people who do have it. That's why we want to create this atmosphere so you'll get it. That's what happened to me. God, I really know He put me in churches like that because He knew I wouldn't make it in a church where it was a nominal spiritual people. There are people who can go in nominal churches. I'm, now I'm, I'm not making judgment. I'm just saying God can take a man and put him in a church that's nominal and, ever, and he'll change the church because he's got something in him. But if God would have put me in a church like that, they would have changed me. I would have become a nominal. He knew that. So he put me around people who had passion and fire in them for God. And it provoked me. Listen to this. Her rival, and that's, sometimes that's how they feel. Sometimes the thing of God, the things of God, the things of the Spirit, that's the way it feels. Let's just face it. I'm being truthful with you. Sometimes it feels like a rival to you. Sometimes you, you know, like it's something that's going after you. 
or something that's competing against you and is beating you. However, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her. Sometimes that's the way God works in your life. Now, we need to get that. There's the sweet provoking where a person, oh, it's just so blessed to be around them. Man, you know, there's certain people in this church when they pray for me, I get so jealous. I'm in a good way, like, man, that was so good how they do that. wish I could do that. I wish I could pray for people and have that effect on them. When I just feel that. I was jealous, you know, when Venus and uh, Marcia, better known in some circles as Marcy, was over here praying for people. Because here's what I felt. I was just getting around them and getting blasted. Because they were opening the door of heaven over people. That makes me jealous. I want to open the door of heaven over people in a good way. It's a blessing when, when, we, when we see that. But then, so that's, a, that's the sweet way. But then there's these other people that just tear you up. I mean, they just tear you up. And you want to run from them. Okay? And that's what we've got to quit doing. Because I've looked back at my life. When that was happening to me, I found out God put them people in my life. Okay? It says she, she wept, would provoke her bitterly because the Lord had closed her womb. It said the Lord closed her womb. It happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her so she wept and would not eat. See, she was going after something because she felt provoked. Well, I wanted to tell you about the teaching I heard. Did I say that? About the provoking. It's 30-year-old teaching. I'm not sure who gave it, but it was a brilliant teaching. And it was about this irritation. Everybody say irritation. This is about a... Oyster, okay? You know how pearls are made? Oysters make pearls. Okay, listen to this. All right, this is technical information. I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you one more time. You want to know about the spiritual realm? Read about the natural realm. There's all these clues and secrets. This is a great clue. This is a great clue about a pearl. Better known in the Bible as a pearl of great price. A pearl is a natural gem created by a living organism. When a foreign object is introduced into an oyster, the oyster coats the irritant with a substance called N-A-C-R-E. I'm not sure how you say that. Nark or something like that. Huh? Nacre? Nacre. Okay. It coats this, this irritant with nacre. And you know what nacre is? It's what they call the mother of pearl. The mother, in other words, what does a mother do? A mother births something. Okay, there's something that this oyster releases, and it says this, this is the same material which their shells made out, but also they just keep putting this nacre, this mother pearl, and eventually a pearl is formed. Okay? Because there was an irritant that was introduced into the shell. It's like a grain of sand. You know how a grain of sand can be in your shoe and your sock and it's just like that one little little tiny thing and you take your shoe off and oh, it's just that, but it was irritating your walk. Well, that's how the pearl of great price is formed in people. And you know who the pearl of great price is. That's, we're talking about the, the image of Christ getting formed in people. And so many of us want to run away from these irritants. So many people want a church that's comfortable with it. And I'm just talking from my perspective here. They don't want some things. They don't want the discomfort that it's going to take to really have everything God has. But I want to just be honest with you. If you don't want the irritant, and if you're not willing to go through the irritant, you can never lay hold of that thing. 
It's just the way God designed it. He put Joseph's feet in irons and sent him to Egypt. Now you're talking about an irritant and was accused wrongly and thrown in jail and forgotten to rot. And we wonder. And we want, you know, let's have a church where everybody's happy and comfortable. Or let's have a Christian life where everything's happy and comfortable. Okay? Now I'm just talking about the, the, the hard irritant here. You know, that, that makes you want to run from God. It makes you want to run from those people. We need to be planted with people. I'm just going to be straight with you. I don't believe in coming to church. I believe in being a part of a church. I believe in being planted with people that I have relationships with. And those people can speak into my life. And those people irritate me and make me mad and say stuff to me that I don't want to hear. And I want to run away from them. I want to get away from them. I want to cut them off. But I realize I can't do that. Because I've seen in my Christian life that God put those people there to create that image of Him in me. And if I want that image of Him in me, I've got to overcome my running heart. You hear what I'm saying, do you? I'm just telling you this is the way it works. If you want some other way, you won't really find it in the Bible. You're going to short-circuit yourself. You're going to come up less. Are y'all good? I mean, this ain't mean, is it? I don't think it's mean. I think it's real. And that's why... I want a church with people who are passionate about the Lord. Because I want for the people who come in to see it and say, I want that. I want that passion for Jesus. I want to love God like that. I want to have what you got. I want to go after what, what you're doing. Because that, that works. It really does. At least it did in my life. And I think it does in other people's lives too. And I think it's in the Bible. So I, I believe what I'm telling you is from God's throne this morning for you. To tell us, you know, God has more for you. But there's a few things you're going to have to do to get that launch that you're looking for. And maybe some of you have already done that. Maybe some of you have lived that and God's saying, great, now let's get launched. doesn't mean He's not going to throw a few sand, sand things in your shoes here and there. Are you all good? Hey, God, I didn't spend all my time on that. Can I do one more? Five minutes, one more. Are you good? Uh, you know, I heard this preacher one time say, this is a long, old-time preacher said, if you get done before I get done, just go. <laughs> now, I really want to tell you this, because this was really good. There's a lot of good stuff. Right, I'm just going to tell you something else I know the Lord showed me, okay? Are y'all all right? I really want you to get, as I can talk, talk about dreams and visions and revelations of the Lord, that we're going to go on to them, Second Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, we're going to do that. I am anyway, and I think you are. We're going to drag you into a kicking and screaming. We're going to drag you into the heavenly realm. We're going to drag you into visitations from heaven. We're just going to drag you into having these open, open visions. You know, visitations and seeing angels and seeing, and like, oh God, please. This is a good day when that happens. I'm going to tell you that right now. Well, anyway, this is something Paul said. Let me do this right quick. It, you know, honestly, what I'm saying ain't really important. Unless God's saying it to you, then it's real important. But I ain't, you know, sometimes we get this idea of what we got to say is so important. That's just bull. I, what I got to say ain't important, but what God has to say is real important. So that's how I try to sell this. I believe this is the Lord right here. Therefore, this is Romans 15, 17 through 19. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. Now, we need to find those reasons. You can come to a place that you can, you can begin to boast in things pertaining to God. But this is the key to it. Next verse. For I will not presume to speak of anything 
except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of Gentiles by word and deed. I will not presume to speak of anything except what's real in my life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's what we've got to get to. We've got to get to what's real in us. We don't really have a right to preach stuff that's not real. We don't have a right to say stuff to people that ain't real in our life. Now, I'm not talking about it's got to be like 100% worked out in your life because nothing's 100% worked out in your life. Nothing. We're still out working our salvation. If it's a seed in your life, you have the right to speak on it as a seed. But we've got to get to that place where we're dealing from reality. That's why Paul has such an effective ministry. Paul dealt from what was real with him. He didn't deal from what was real with Apollos or Peter. Okay, he dealt with what was real with Paul. Paul found out who, what his destiny was. He found out his DNA, and he went after that. And then he jumped on people when they started bringing this divisiveness, like, well, I'm a Paul, I'm a Peter. Hey, did you know this? this I just found this out yesterday. I was reading. You know, in, in Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, divisions. People are saying, well, I'm a Paul, I'm a Peter, uh, you know, I'm of Apollos. Y'all remember that? That's in 1 Corinthians, okay? You know what he said in chapter 4? Because he fussed out, like, who's Paul, who's Apollos, one water. Didn't, you know what he said in chapter 4? I think verse 15 or 16, something like that. He said, he said, just follow me. I never caught that before. I never caught that one little verse. After he fussed at them about all that, then he said, but you know what? Forget those other guys. Follow me. I'm telling you, he said that. It's in the Bible. He didn't say forget the other guys. That was me. But he did say, after rebuking them for having divisions over who they were following, and after speaking to them about man's really nothing, it's God, but he then went back and said, you need to follow me. And you know why he said that? He said it because of relationship. He said it because of community. He said it because he had lived with them. They had lived with him. They had walked out, worked out things together. And he could consciously and easily say, I'm a father to you, so you follow me. You can hear Peter, you can hear Apostle, but you really need to follow me because of relationship. And that was what really gives us authority in people's lives. It's through relationships. It's not through some order that somebody created. That's just the second thing. I mean, you know. But anyways, this is great. It's being real. And then in verse 19, here's the goal. It says, uh, it's talking about his ministries, in power of signs and wonders. I'm telling you something. That's something we had to reach for. Signs and wonders. The power of signs and wonders. I believe they're available to us. Okay? I mean, I really believe that. Not for show, but for, for what God wants to do. To bring people into the kingdom. To bring people to know Christ. To bring people into a closer relationship with Him. And the power of the Spirit. See, there's two differences there. There's the power of the Spirit. And there's the power of signs and wonders. In our minds, we think they're the same. But really what He's talking about here. And then he goes on and talks about, let me get done. We could go on this more later. But really what Paul was talking about in his ministry, Paul always had something called a spirit of revival, a spirit of awakening, a spirit of renewing and refreshing. Let's just be honest with you. You can't always have revival in a church. You can't always have refreshing. You can't always have renewing. You can't always have awakening. But you can always have the spirit of it. You see what I'm saying? Do y'all get it? There's a difference. If you cultivate a spirit, that kind of spirit, then when God chooses to release it, you can have it. 
that it's a part of your DNA. Where the part of the answer, we're going to always have a spirit of revival. We're always going to have a spirit of renewal. We're not going to try to make it happen, but when it does come, when we feel it flowing in, we just flow with it. We go with it. Do y'all make, that's really important right there. That's how Paul the Apostle worked. He worked in the power of the Holy Spirit and power of signs and wonders. He did that, and he had an effective ministry. If you want to have an effective ministry, you and I, we've got to dial into the Spirit realm. We've got to dial into the Holy Spirit. That is it. There is no other way. I don't care what anybody says. That's the way it works. It, it's, it's the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit realm. It's the, it's the river of God. All that stuff, however you want to say it. But that's really what we have to always be cultivating in our hearts. Does that make sense? Uh, we can go on that later. I just need to stop. Okay? Becky said, I need to stop. So here it is. It's 10, 15 later. And so really, first of all, here's what we want to do right now. I want to pray for people's minds. Okay? That thing I said, how the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Deceived where? Minds. Your thoughts. I want you to put your hands on your mind if you'd like to. You don't have to. You can do whatever you want to. But I, I'm not going to go around and put my hands on everybody's mind. Hand. But I believe there's power getting released in this room right now. For God to heal your thoughts. For God to heal your mind. For God to begin to release a renewal into your mind. And go after those strongholds, those lies, those cheat things. The things where the enemy's cheating us and deceiving us. Father, I pray that right now. I pray against, I pray against wrong doctrine and wrong theology that is hindering people from really uh, knowing Christ. Lord, the enemy brought great theology to Eve. The only problem was it was a lie. And I pray you'd break those lies over our minds right now. Oh, break it right now, Lord. Just release your healing virtue into these minds. Healing power come right now. Lord, rearrange thoughts. <clears throat> I want to say this. One thought from hell creates a pattern of thinking in you. Okay, one thought. It's not just that one thought that you receive. There's a whole pattern that's associated with it that will come into your mind. And that's bad when we have a pattern of thinking. That's a stronghold. Lord, we want you to break that this morning over people. Because, Lord, we do not want to be deceived away from you, away from loving Jesus, away from the cross, and away from the Holy Spirit, and away from the Father's love that Larry greatly said to us today. Lord, I just pray that over this church today. I pray that we would love you, Lord. And, Lord, right now, as people have got their hands over their, on their heads, Lord, I'm asking you about people's past that's holding them back, the disappointments, the discouragements the heartbreak of the yesteryear that, that is trying to disqualify them, trying to take them out, Lord, of what you have for them. I'm praying, God, you would break that over them right now in Jesus' name. That the past wouldn't hinder us no more, Lord. Our failures wouldn't hinder us. Our disappointments, the broken relationships, broken dreams, Lord, those kinds of things would no longer hinder us, Lord. And we'd be a people who could lay hold of you today, Jesus, in a fresh way. And we'd be a people who love you. Thank you, Jesus. And I know the Lord loves everybody in this room right now. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just want to bless people. Is anybody sick in here this morning with any kind of ailments at all? Come on over here. We want to pray for the sick and release the compassion of Jesus. Y'all come on. 
big sick or little sick, it doesn't matter. If you've got a serious ailment, the Lord still wants to heal you. And if you just want prayer this morning, more prayer from someone, we want to pray for you and release that on you. Thank you, Lord.